What is up, Lit Lucid Podcast fans? We are happy to have you back for season seven of the show. This season is brought to you by Seed and Smith, an amazing cannabis company located right here in Denver, Colorado. Visit our website, litlucid.com, to learn more about our sponsors and to view our previous episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to share with a friend and give us a review on your favorite platform. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording live in the Seaton Smith Dispensary. We have Robbie Robluski. He is the Director of Communications and Outreach, as well as Mike Lempert. He is the Logistics Manager here at Seaton Smith. Today, we are celebrating our 70th episode, Season 7. So we appreciate you all for joining us through this journey, and we appreciate Seed and Smith for having us today live in their dispensary. It's episode really cool. Episode 70. Yes. 70, 70 of them. Oh, wow. Cool. We're excited to, to knock out 70 and excited to, uh, to have you guys be a part of, part of the continued growth of Lit and Lucid and help usher in like a new era of of what we're trying to accomplish here. We're excited to be here. Yes. Ab- absolutely. And thank you guys for coming out. Um, we think this is super important to the industry and, and you know, kind of legitimizing and, and furthering our cause for all this stuff. And we have some pretty little ladies joining us today, too, so that's pretty fun. Pretty ladies. What are their names, Mike? <laughs> uh, that's Mac One, I believe, over there. Miracle Alien Cookies. And then this one here is Cushman's. So special guests. So they may not speak any words, but the vibes are speaking <laughs> the vibes, the vibes are, are speaking good. today so glad to have everybody a part of this show all right a little bit more about seed and smith they were founded in 2014 they specialize in producing uh, top shelf flour uh, they're a leading cultivator a concentrate manufacturer and a dispensary all under one roof so if you're interested in learning about how your cannabis is grown and cultivated and processed and packaged, you can literally come to the Seed and Smith Dispensary and find out yourselves. They offer tours most days of the week and they're free. So why would you not come out and check it out? And the one reason why they do this is because they're really focused on consumer transparency. They want the consumers to understand exactly how their plants grow and what's gone into this full process. They can ask questions, they can learn more about all of the processes offered here at Seed and Smith. So that's really one of, you know, their founding principles is transparency. And I know that you both are going to speak a little bit more to that. So if you want to just dive in, maybe explain to us a little bit more how you entered the industry, and then we'll learn more about the dispensary. Absolutely. Um, so I entered the I entered the industry about uh, seven years ago, um, a, little over, a little closer to eight. Um, and I was I was with several different companies up until 2017 when I joined Seaton Smith. Um, when, I, when I started looking for other positions um, within the industry, um, something about Seaton Smith always spoke to me about how their mission was, um, how they wanted to interact with the community. Um, so I definitely came on with the idea that transparency was gonna be a key to all of this. Um, the way that the industry has grown, um, I think there's a lot of need for good information for people that are just just starting out using cannabis or experimenting with it. Um, and yeah, that's that's definitely why I joined up with Seaton Smith. I came into the industry um, just as an advocate. Um, I worked I worked all the way up from a trimming position to what I am now, um, just as 
learning everything that I possibly could about the about the way things are grown and what we are doing as an industry. And I think that's cool to to be able to start at the bottom and work your way up through a lot of the positions. That's what I did too, and that's what I always attributed to a lot of my success is that I understand the processes, I understand what goes into this in the back end. And so not only can you articulate it to potential customers, but at the same time you have a respect for all the different parts and all the different people that you know touch the plant on the way to you you know packing a bowl or, or smoking a vape pen. I guess there's a lot of work that goes in. Yeah. And I know that you also use it medicinally. Is that correct? So that yeah. was probably important for you. It, 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 it always has been. Um, you know, when I was a younger kid and in the underground and everything like that, you know, traveling around, finding those people that had stuff that, uh, that had cannabis that I would consider a decent grade was, was really hard. And so early on in my trials and errors of all that, it was really hard to dial in how I can medicate effectively with cannabis. Um, since legalization, since medical out here in 2009 um, and recreational in 2014, it's been a lot easier um, to really build a regimen that is specific to myself. Um, and it's, it's been working wonderfully. Um, I've, I haven't had need to take any kind of pharmaceutical uh, meds for over 10 years. Yeah. That's great. What you mean by building a regimen for yourself, is that more on having access to different types of products? And you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And it comes, and it comes again, with all this knowledge that we're here to share, um, and Seton Smith is here to share, um, it, it comes along with, like, what kind of strains work for me? Why do they work for me? What kind of growth cycle are they going through um, that, that will help me determine if this is if this is effective medicine um again like knowledge is power in anything in, in cannabis um and that's and that's why i definitely started in it just so i could be a person who is out there screaming from the mountaintops yeah that makes sense what about you mike tell us a little about your past and, and how you ended up here so my background's a little different than most in the cannabis space um i was somewhat recruited to come out here um in early 2015, when Seaton Smith was being conceptualized, when the building was purchased and the build-out started, um, I was reached out to with the idea that this was going to happen, just we didn't know exactly when. And uh, at that time, I was kind of in a fork in the road. I was on my way to um, either go down the route of PA school. Um, I had a, the idea that I wanted to go into ortho PA. Um, I was working in the hospital system for a few years prior to that, and that was that was my goal at the time. And then when the opportunity for Seed and Smith arose, it, it put me in a weird place. Um, and it was whether or not I wanted to go down the the road where I knew where I'd end up. I knew exactly what I'd be doing every single day. You know, hips on Wednesdays, knees on Thursdays, office on Friday, whatever the case may have been. And uh, and this was obviously spontaneity. Um, I didn't know anything about cannabis other than the bags of weed I bought from the local dealer in high school and college and you know this this offered something that the, the PA route didn't um, so ultimately after a few visits to Denver convincing my wife that Denver is better than South Florida we made the move um, I showed up here day one uh, day two basically uh, we were on our second harvest when I showed up um, and at the time there was maybe six seven employees here we had one license going that was our medical grow and that's it. Dispensary wasn't open yet. Extraction lab wasn't built out yet. It was just a medical grow with, you know, 12 rooms growing plants. So started at the bottom, started as a harvest and trim guy, and slowly as more responsibility became available here at Seed and Smith, I would take on those roles and responsibilities. And that 
kind of kept growing and growing and growing. The umbrella got bigger, and here I am today running the logistics department, which is kind of a an all-encompassing umbrella. You know, there's lots. We basically touch every single department here, and um, it's exciting. It's always new. It's a spontaneity that I wanted and I got, and it, it's extremely exciting. That's a fun background, and I, I think that's something that uh, not a lot of people touch on is the spontaneity, I guess, and, Absolutely. and the fact that you can walk into a, a new business, I guess, like a startup. And I mean, it is a startup in a sense, and you know, three, four years later, you have multiple hats you wear now compared to the one when you walked in. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity. I think that's what I'm trying to express that just within a single business that you can do a lot of different roles, and the business requires a lot of different roles and a lot of different people to to produce a product at the end of the day. Well, and and especially like within the cannabis industry, just because, you know, for a long time, it's been the wild west. Um, And now things are starting to really settle out where more people from outside, outside of the industry from the beginnings of it are coming into it and giving us, giving us experience and knowledge that, you know, growing, growing cannabis doesn't necessarily give. Um, and so it's, it's definitely easy to move throughout any kind of, any kind of position in the industry. Um, and I just, I love seeing how it's grown. That's great. So let's talk a little bit more about Seed and Smith. What was the inspiration behind starting this company? I know that they took a little nod at craft brewing. So maybe explain to us more about what was the background behind this. So at the time of its, I guess, conception, um, there was three partners that were, uh, two of which were previously in the cannabis space. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, they had an idea. They wanted to do something bigger, better, and different than what everybody else was doing. You know, the, the model at that time was you had a dispenser and you bought wholesale flour from a grower. You had a grow and you sold wholesale flour to a dispensary. And, you know, vertical integration was there, but it wasn't so prevalent yet. So they wanted to make sure that they can control the supply chain from every aspect. They ran into problems where, you know, maybe the harvest froze over and, you know, down south and all of a sudden there's a shortage of flour and or vice versa. You couldn't get your concentrates on time. And the idea was, okay, if we control every aspect of the supply chain, we're only relying on ourselves for the majority of our products. So um, that was the initial thought. And then, you know, as this thing grew and, you know, took on a life of its own, the idea was, well, let's make transparency a big part of this too, because, you know, we're getting to a point where people want to know what products they're consuming. You know, at the end of the day, these this is something they're putting in their body. Let's figure out a way to do this vertical integration and show exactly how we're doing it. Um, so basically the idea was build a facility um, at each part of it, whether it's veg, bloom, packaging, the lab, the dispensary, whatever, make sure at least some of it is visible to the outside world. Um, so it was built uh, like a big brewery. The owners before, you know, while doing the build out, went on all the brewery tours around here and outside of Denver and took nods from what they thought was successful, what they thought could have been worked on and, you know, turned it into uh, one of the first real cannabis tours that, you know, don't show fluff. It's it's our real rooms. It's our real yeah. loading dock. It's, it's real. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like you walk back there and it's part of your guys's warehouse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a working facility. We yeah. tell people that it's, you know, if anybody's really that curious, they can see exactly what nutrients we use, exactly which soil they could, they could theoretically do this if they were just nosy enough on the tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool when we came for the tour, when we were checking the place out and Immediately walked in the back in the bedroom, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this reminds me totally of, like, Stranahan's whiskey. I just went on a tour there <laughs> about a month ago, and I'm like, this is cool because this is exactly what's needed. And Stranahan's was cool because they walk you through, like, everything. And then this was even cooler because it's, like, they walk you through everything, and it's <laughs> cannabis, you know? It's, like, a whole different 
whole different experience, and I don't think a lot of people are afforded that. You know, people have been going on you know, distillery tours and, and brewery tours for, for you know, years now. Yeah. I don't even want to guess, like 20, 30, 40, 50, who knows. But cannabis, you know, how many times have you had a chance to tour a commercial cannabis facility and have that level of transparency? Well, and I think, I think it brings a <clears throat> another level's, you know, standard that needs to be seen more in our industry um, where we're holding ourselves responsible because you get to come here and mm -hmm. see it. Um, and you get to see this being grown. And we've had nothing but wonderful responses about that because, like, you know, with breweries, um, distilleries, even I think, uh, was it Celestial Seasonings yeah. in Boulder um, that has their the tour place. and everything? Yeah. Like, you know, they, they hold themselves to a strict standard, which we have not had to do as an industry before. Mm -hmm. um, I know that people out there, companies out there, you know, said that they're creating this standard, but we're where's the proof yeah. of all of that um and so you know that's that's part of what all this is is just we want everybody else to be at the same standard we want people to be at this level mm -hmm. well and that's absolutely true i mean we were da like m amazed by the lab and how clean it was i mean we've been in some labs before and they're not that clean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i mean for you guys to keep it that clean all the time to, and consumers to see that that's very important and that gives them an even higher level of trust to you guys that the products that they're consuming are clearly clean and that it matters to you that you're offering them that product at that level so it's important absolutely and i think uh like one step further from all that is that you know we've started <clears throat> me and mike have been looking at things that have been normalized in this industry um that we're we're sitting here asking ourselves well why why is this um you know, whether it comes from flushing or how your concentrates are, like if you like a wetter material or if you like a drier material, like why do you think that that is better? Um, and we're informing ourselves and we're going out and we're actually learning more every day about some of these things just aren't factual, that, that it tastes better or <laughs> that it is better or that it's higher potency or anything like that. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with where I came from in the medical field was, okay, if, there, if you needed an answer, you consulted a medical journal, which had fact-based evidence, and it was to be taken as the truth. However, when I came out here, and as I started to learn, again, you know, at the beginning, I knew nothing about cultivation. I knew nothing about extraction. I really didn't know anything about cannabis, and so I was taking a lot from my peers within, within both Seed and Smith and outside of these walls, but in the industry as a whole. And I was getting so much conflicting information. I said, hey, listen, I want to grow a couple plants. You know, now that I'm living in Colorado, why not? Let me, let me see if I can do this. And, you know, I consulted a couple different growers, and I was getting different responses, different answers, different. And I said, well, there's got to be a best practice to this stuff, just like there's a best practice for what, you know, growing strawberries or whatever yeah, else. Absolutely. And um, so it was a little puzzling to me at the beginning that I couldn't get, so I'd basically choose one person and try their method, and then I would have to go another. So I never actually grew the plants, but at least it opened my eyes, and I was like, something's a little askew here, and I understand that it's a new industry, and this is probably how most things go, but the way I look at things is try to get a fact-based answer for it. Why exactly is terpene degradation a thing in warmer dry rooms versus colder dry rooms? Well, the answers I was getting was that it, it just is. Um, so <laughs> I've, you know, once we brought Robbie on board here, I shared my mentality with him and it, he got on board immediately. And we started kind of just hunting down one thing after another, trying to put the pieces together and bring people outside of the industry to, to give us real concrete answers as to why these things are happening. At the end of the day, 
you know, it's horticulture, it's agriculture, we're growing plants, there's there should be an answer to most of this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that we want to touch on after this break, we're going to touch on the best practices, what you guys do here at Seed and Smith, uh, why consumers should care, what consumers should look for, and all the things that go into, you know, the product at the end of the day, and what's in my weed. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Introducing the dart from Seed and Smith. No cutting agents, no artificial terpenes, no residual solvents. Only clean, pure cannabis from a company you can trust. Don't miss your chance to pick up a dart by taking part in Dart Days every Friday during the month of November. With the purchase of a $15 pod, you will receive the dart battery absolutely free. Follow Seed and Smith on Instagram and Facebook for new Dart Day locations every Friday with a special doorbuster on Green Friday, November 29th. Don't delay. Get the dart today. All right, we're back now. So thanks for the quick break, and thanks for the commercial there from uh, Seed and Smith. And uh, so now we want to kind of touch on more of, you know, what goes into your products and, and what does that actually look like from a commercial standpoint. It's not just you go pop them in the dispensary, grab a joint off the counter, go home with some edibles, and then you take them, and you don't even know where the hell these even came from. I mean, but they start with uh, with the cannabis plant, just like we have over here. So, so uh, Robbie, why don't you take us through you know your grow cycle, where you guys start with your veg bloom, and, and kind of how we end up with with a finished little cutie like this. <laughs> Absolutely. So, at the beginning of all of this, we basically we will take from clones. Um, we've learned that just cloning is the best way to keep the genetics stable, uh, keep consistency going, um, growing from seed growing from seed tends to be a little bit random at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have we have our reliable mothers that we then take our clones from and put those into a vegetative cycle. Um, that vegetative cycle will last a couple of weeks where we'll go into bloom um, for a, another couple months. We are actually doing a, what we do a little bit differently with our system is that we're not one big warehouse where we're constantly growing multiple, multiple bays worth of plants. Um, in our system, we actually harvest every five days um, from different rooms that we have separated from each other so that if anything were to occur, you know, any, any problems with the plants, it is very second, it's sectioned off. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's basically quarantined in its own very room. So from that point, we harvest every five days and then it goes into its drying cycle, which will last anywhere from seven to 14 days. Um, at which point it is then hand trimmed um, and hand sifted so that we get the quality of bud that we're looking for. Um, and the consumers sometimes will go and seek that out, hand trimmed. I know when I was in the industry, that when I was wholesaling it, that was a huge thing that dispensaries wanted always was hand trimmed flour because, you know, the, the trichromes on that flour are pretty delicate. Absolutely. You go throw that into a tumble dryer to trim it, which some people use, and uh, all your trichromes are gone. And so the, the flower may have tested at X percentage, but you just knocked off all the trichromes. And so the stuff you're actually consuming is not actually as potent as what you're promised. So that's something that I think consumers should be aware of. And, d- you know, don't be shy by walking into a dispensary saying, hey, is this hand trimmed? Or let me take a look at the, you know, the finished nugs that I'm going to be purchasing. You could usually tell if it looks pretty beat up, probably machine trimmed. So sorry and, to interject, but hand trim is no, um, a great thing to have. Really, and hand trim does allow us to be a little bit more um 
allows our quality control to be at a different level than most people. Um, our bud structure is always intact. It's not trimmed down into mm -hmm. um, Morphe nugs or anything like that um, that I've seen from a lot of machine trim. Um, terpene degradation is, is a great point too. Uh, when I first got here and me and Mike were working for the, we're working in the trim and the harvest um, and the dry cycles, like that was very important to us um, because you can grow perfectly throughout the entire grow process and then completely mess it all up um, 14 days into the drying. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely, yeah. I think that's something too that people don't take into account enough is just the, the curing process of, of cannabis. That's probably another thing, Mike, that if you were to ask 10 people, how do you cure your cannabis, you would get 10 different answers, probably like 12, <laughs> because I'm sure a lot of those people just have a couple different ones they have to try. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody's an expert on, on this stuff. And, you know, what's worked for them in the past, and a lot of people aren't so open-minded that they'll try somebody else's methods, but we've kind of dialed it in here. You know, obviously we're growing on a large scale. You know, each one of our 12 bloom rooms has a couple hundred plants in them, so every five days a couple hundred plants come down. We've had to figure out a way that we can – produce a really good cure on this product at such a large scale so we've got these airtight barrels that everything goes into with hygrometers and we just monitor it if the humidity starts to rise near above levels we want pop it open give the weed a little mixture let them bounce around a little bit put the lid back on and just continue to monitor um, when they're ready to go we'll take them out whether it's going out for wholesale retail whatever it is and then the packaging department gets it done as quick as possible to make sure it's on the shelf as fresh as possible it does kind of remind me of back to like the distilleries and then like burping their mash and, mm -hmm. and checking the potency and making sure the temperature is just right and all that stuff. And it's very similar with the cannabis. I mean, people have to check the humidity, the temperature, you have to burp it to make sure, you know, there's air getting in there, but not too much air. I mean, there's a lot that goes into producing a, a quality cannabis product. There is. And to touch on Robbie, what Robbie was saying is that you can grow the greatest weed on earth. However, if you screw up the cure, you can all of a sudden end up with a bucket of hay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just like another point in all of the curing is that you have to cure differently down in California versus up here in Colorado. Right. That's so true. Um, wow. Where people that come from Illinois, Florida, um, California, any of these places are like, well, do you guys do a 90-day cure? <laughs> do you guys dry it out for 90 days? <laughs> If we dried out for 90 days up <laughs> here nothing. in Colorado, you would be, it would be crumbles. Like yeah. you, it would turn to yeah. dust. Um, and so, I mean, even, even where you're at um, across the country or across the world, like that takes into effect, like how, how your cure is going. Mm -hmm. um, I know guys up here still that are working in the industry that are convinced that they have to keep it in jars for two months and burp it consistently and everything like that and it's no <laughs> and then i mean at what scale is that feasible to a commercial production and how long can you guys absolutely do, you almost have to i mean you're gonna ask at some point you're gonna have to develop uh commercialized methods to do it on a scale and also at the quality level because then how much subjectivity is there with jars and cannabis and how much cannabis do you put in that jar how long do you leave it is it's getting different? it's also getting much easier too um we work with agricor they've been super helpful that's our testing facility yeah. so incredibly helpful in doing uh, benchmark testing for us. So we can say, okay, this was cured for seven days, 14 days, 20 days, whatever, and we'll send those tests out and we'll see total cannabinoids, total terpene levels. And the science at the testing labs is getting better, which is in turn giving us way more information than we've ever had before. So we can make these decisions, again, based on real-time information, not just what has worked in the past for other growers. So um, relying on our testing labs has been a tremendous asset for us. Yeah, technology is huge. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so let's move to um, the extraction. What goes into that process? So after after the trim and the harvest and everything's done, um, and we've, we've gone through our Q- QC with our bud, um, our flower, we then take it to extraction. The, the flower that we that doesn't meet our QC as far as appearance goes. Um, that's, that's a huge part of all this is that everybody's expecting to have these big, beautiful nuggets in their, in their, in their bags, um, perfectly acceptable. And that's the way that it should be. So we, we take the extra step and we actually end up with a lot, with a lot of extra material that we're like, okay, this is perfect. This is great for extraction. Um, we will take those, we will run those through our CO2 and grab all the terpenes off of those. Um, we will make waxes, shatters, um, we do have a frozen line, uh, live resins um, that we're coming out with. And like we go through the entire process of using the entirety of, of everything that we grow um, to bring quality products to the concentrate side. Um, and, that's, and that's actually what leads to our distillate. Um, distillate has been a very naughty word within the industry for quite a while now. Um, and with, the, with everything going on in vaping right now, um, I think people's tune are changing a little bit to that, especially if you're growing quality products like us. The distillation process is only purifying what we've already grown. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's one of the most important things um, that we're doing in our MIP is that we're, again, we have to re-educate an entire industry about this. Yeah, because absolutely. it's definitely distillation. We're taking, we're taking material. We're taking all the plant material out of it. We're taking everything else out of it except for THC. Our, t- our distillate runs from 95 to 98% typically. Um, and that's because of our distillation process. I'm not going to get into like vodka, like it's triple distilled and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it, we, we do a process where we look at all those micro ideas of what's in distillate and we remove that. We remove that idea that it's that it's made from bad bud, that it's made from bad flour. Right. Um, and we're using quality products here and we're using our own terpenes that we have from our plants. Yeah, and I think that's important too, to be reintrodu- reintroducing the terpenes from the plant back into it. And I think that not only adds the flavor, but adds to the kind of the synergistic effect of, of the cannabinoids. But you're totally right. I think, you know, distillate has got a bad word because that's kind of, when it first started, everybody's like, oh, here's some shit product, just turn it into distillate. Um, but then it's come around that actually distillate's kind of the way to go with quite a few products, actually. I know a lot of the, uh, a lot of edibles nowadays are actually made with the distillate because it's easier to infuse. You don't have that. The hashy flavor is one thing, but also when these people are um, creating their products, they need a precise dose uh, required by the state and also for your own consumption so you're s- safely consuming. The best way to do that is with the distillate product where you have something that's 95 to 99% pure. You're putting that in the product. I know when I first started in the industry, we were still selling a lot of uh, amber oil, which would be kind of like a first pass mm-hmm. through a CO2 machine. Uh, and that's what a lot of the edibles um, out in the market were made of. Well, you still had a hashy flavor, which a lot of people didn't really like, especially a lot of new consumers coming out of the market who maybe didn't want to be stigmatized by cannabis. And here they are eating uh, a gummy or something, and it tastes like cannabis. So like, oh, man, I feel like I'm a stoner, you know? Um, <laughs> the other half, it's the manufacturers really had a tough time of taking a 70% oil and trying to figure out, okay, I got to make this product you know, 100 milligrams, or I got to make this piece 10 milligrams. How am I going to do that with a 70% product? You know, there's a lot of math involved, I guess. And uh, if you know stoners, you know, stoners don't really like math. So <laughs> we got to make things easy with the distillate. On the back end with, um, with vape cartridges, like what you guys are doing, I think that's a huge issue 
right now that people aren't really processing that it's probably a, a hell of a lot better to use a distillate product where you kind of know what you're starting with. You're starting with a, a nearly pure product, and especially with your terpenes, you're using your terpenes to reintroduce back in flavor. You're not using something off the market that you don't really know what's in it. Uh, you're also not taking a 70% oil where there's still 30% of innate product that, what is that? You know, it's plant material, but it could also be pesticides. It could also be heavy metals. It could be also be, who knows? Any number 30 of percent Any of number who knows? Of and again, that's why distillation is, is important because we're literally taking everything out of it except for the THC. You're starting with a blank slate. Yeah, and so I think that's great. And I think that's the way a lot of, I mean, that's how craft beer is produced. That's how your vodka is produced. Um, that's how a lot of things are produced. Your whiskeys produce the same way. They take a pure product, put it into an oak barrel. That's how it gets its flavor. They reintroduce flavor back into the alcohol. Um, so I think that's something that really is really important right now with the vape crisis coming on is to look for those products that are probably produced with a distillate. Uh, reintroduced terpenes are huge. Um, and I know you guys' product has that. So Yeah, and we, we believe that it's you know different strokes for different folks. Obviously, the full-spectrum stuff or the terp sauce stuff, which we do also, um, has its place in the market. However, like Robbie was saying, like the, the negative connotation for distillate has been a little troubling for us, you know, knowing what we do here. And obviously it's on full display for anybody to come see if they want. But you know, we harvest our plants. We trim our bud. We take our less than appealing smaller nugs. I mean, it looks great. I, you know, I'd love to smoke it. You know, <laughs> sometimes I do. But it's just a smaller product that people don't want to see in their bag because they assume it's not great. Yeah. We take that. We walk it across the hall and extract it. Um, you know, once it goes through our distillation, 97% pure THC at that point. All we do now is take the terpenes we ran prior on that flower and reintroduce them. We don't mix strains. We don't do, you know, the quote-unquote house salad. You know, if we only got a 20-gram terp yield from a Mob Boss run because we didn't have much plant material, that's all we'll use to terp our distillate for Mob Boss run. So um, having that ability to be strain-specific all the way from flower through shatter, wax, whatever it may be, and into those cartridges, you're getting the exact same profile you would or as close to from getting, you know, if you were to take our plant and smoke it as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and that's, and that's really true. Like, it's not just the profile of, of Mob Boss is Mob Boss. Yeah. Yeah, like true. It, it, in all honesty, like sometimes different batches of Mob Boss has a little bit mm -hmm. more of a certain terpene mm -hmm. than, than it does another batch. So like it's consistent in the way that it, it works naturally. Yeah. Um, which is which is what I'm just really excited about with with this product, um, especially putting it in the dart because the flavor is just con consistently there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's yeah, talk about the dart because I know you guys have put a ton of ingenuity into the dart. Let's talk about that, Mike. You want to take off? Uh sure. So smiling over there. So the dart is um, for those of you who don't know, it's a C cell product. Um, we've only used C cell cartridges since our inception here. Um, after testing through um, a couple other brands, we just felt that the most consistent and the ones with the be best reputation was C-Cell. Um, so we partnered with C-Cell on the DART project. It's um, limited availability. It's a pod-based vaporizer system. Um, it's pretty much like unlike anything else. You know, there's other pod-based systems, but once you get the DART in your hand, the feel of it, the way it hits, just everything about it is is a bit a, a notch above the competitors in the market. Yeah, um, yeah. have you guys tried one yet? We haven't tried um, it, but we've seen it. We'll make sure you leave here with one today. Um, and I mean, you hold it, and it's like this is a legit product. It's, I mean, it feels like sturdy. Yeah, it's a steel body. Um, you know, it's a steel body. It's got some weight to it. It looks 
pretty discreet for those people who want some discretion when they're consuming. But mm -hmm. um, so we worked with C-Cell to design it exactly how we wanted it. We had a bunch of prototypes come in, come out, go back to C-Cell, give some feedback, did some high altitude testing, did warm temperature testing, did cold temperature testing. And so throughout, it's been about a year now of R&D and we launched about six weeks ago, I'd say yeah, now, well. pretty much a soft launch here. Um, we've opened it up to a few other retailers. Um, probably in the next couple months here, we'll open it up again and, and try to get this thing out on the market um, in, in a much larger context. But again, it's it's a vaporizer device that's you know got the right materials. It doesn't you know the plastic used inside of the cartridge is a plastic derived specifically to be used with oil substances. So that's important. Um, yes. So we're in the process of doing extended testing on leaching. We haven't seen anything yet so far, and you know obviously. You're hearing about heavy metal testing in other states and other things. We're, um, you know, I'm not going to go too far into it, but we are way ahead of that here, even though it's, you know, hasn't been announced yet. Um, we've been working with both Agricor and Botanicor, their hemp side, just to make sure that everything we're doing here is as safe as possible. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's important too, and that's part of the reason why we wanted to put together this conversation was to, I mean, vape's getting a lot of heat right now. There's a lot of speculation going on there's a lot of people throwing a lot of stuff out there as far as you know what could be causing this vape illness and um, is it really that big of a deal and this is causing it that's causing it i think at the end of the day it really goes back to uh, the little legit operators that are out there that i know are out there are doing it the right way and seed and smith is one of those with the dart and i think you know what you just said is something that i think a lot of people should really you know take to heart and, and, and use that message going forward that these folks are here they're working with their manufacturer to produce not only a, a a great uh, piece of hardware for you, but also a great piece of hardware made for what is going inside of it. It's not somebody calling up a company saying, hey, I need this for THC or, you know, for nicotine or something, and then putting cannabis in it. They're saying, you know, here's what we're doing. We need a product specific for this. And then uh, you're taking a step further and then using the, uh, the testing facilities and basically quality controlling yourself. Yeah, so you guys know before you go to market that this is a great product, this is a quality product. Absolutely, and we all have families and people. We don't want to get sick or, you know, have any kind of lung problems. And there's probably not a person in this company that wouldn't, you know, consume a dart here on a daily basis. Um, you know, we believe in that strongly. You know, terpenes are a pretty unique substance in terms of how it reacts to plastics and glass and a bunch of other different things. So making sure that we're doing the right thing because at the end of the day, I want to feel comfortable with the product we're making. And ultimately, you know, I'm a pretty tough critic on our stuff. If, if I feel comfortable, I think a lot of people should as well. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's take one little quick break and then we'll wrap up with what consumers should look for when shopping in a dispensary. Great. You want new ideas. You want brand recognition. You want social exposure. You want captivating copy. You want to connect with your customers. You want Yoohoo Brand. Yoohoo Brand is a full service digital marketing agency. Social media, web design, content creation, plus much more. What can Yoohoo do for you? Call us today, Yoohoo Brand. You guys, we are back and we're going to finish up today with what consumers should look for when they're entering dispensary. What kind of questions should people be asking when they're looking for flour, concentrates, edibles? What kind of what should be what should be they be looking for? So why don't you just start, Mike? I think the best overall advice I can give to anybody that's entering dispensary, whether it's the first time they've ever been in one or 
you know, their daily shopper is to advocate for yourself by asking questions about the process in which their products are made. Um, you know, gone are the days where you have to consume something where you don't exactly know where it's produced, how it's produced, with what chemicals or byproducts or anything else. Um, this information should be made available to anybody that's interested. Um, a big part of the Seedon Smith, you know, ideology was, well, we can rest our customers assured if they have any questions about this stuff. We're able to take them on a tour and show them exactly what our grow rooms look like, show them exactly what our extraction facility looks like. They're going to see real Seedon Smith employees working on this tour, and they're going to start to understand and start to connect the dots here that, okay, there's those plants in veg, and then, you know, there's that strain I love, Tango, in bloom. Well, I love the way it looked. I saw the irrigation system. We talked about exactly what lights they're using, what everything about it to see how clean our bloom rooms are. And the only process, and then they'll go, they'll see our packaging room. And they can see our flour being packaged. They can see our cartridges being filled. They can see our um, concentrates being weighed out. And those, and now all of a sudden you have the entire assembly line of our products start to finish and you can buy it right here. So you, you can see it happen in real time and if there's something you saw in the window on our packaging room and say hey listen i want to try that when i get to the dispensary we can let you know what it is see if we have a previous batch if not we'll let you know hey in four days or so we'll have it up yeah. in the dispensary but making sure you completely understand what it is you're getting and how it's being made i, I think is the biggest piece of advice i can give to people yeah and that's so important i mean because when i go into the dispensary and ask like oh well who grew this they're like well we don't know yeah. They're like, well, I'm not sure. And that's yeah, we, a problem. We even went to one dispensary, and the farm had sent us there to go purchase their product. And we go in and say, hey, it was actually Aster Farms. Yeah. We're like, hey, can we get some Aster Farms? What's no, it? it wasn't Aster Farms. Sorry. It was uh, Alpen, Alpen Stash. Alpen Stash, yeah. We go to a dispensary and purchase Alpen Stash. And these guys had just dropped it off like the day before. And we're like, hey, we're going to try some of that new Alpen Stash. And these people are like, we don't carry that here. <laughs> we're like, well, they, they just told us yesterday they dropped it off. And they had to go like ask a manager and like dig it out. And I'm like, that's pretty sad that these bud tenders don't even know where this stuff's coming from. And so that should be like your first sign of like your dispensary doesn't even know where these products are coming from. They don't even know the farms that are producing this. They don't know much about the product. Yeah. That's kind of frightening. It is, it is. And you know, that's the thing. We do um, white label quite a bit of flour. Um, I'd say to probably over 20 dispensaries. You know, it's easy to spot when you walk in and you see our strain list. And that's fine if, you know, a lot of places will brand it as their own. I mean, that's understandable, mm -hmm. um, you know, but at the same time, what we do with our wholesale team is we encourage them to offer bud tender tours. So we have structured tours set up for bud tenders that carry our flour, our concentrates, the dart, anything. So they can come here. They can understand the Seed and Smith process. So this way they're educated on our products at their own store. Mm -hmm. So if you want to buy Seed and Smith products from wherever, Star Buds or wherever else that we're carried in, those bud tenders should be just as educated as ours on our products. They should mm -hmm. say, hey, listen, if you want to see Seed and Smiths grow, if you're not comfortable with this product or you want to learn more, go take the tour there. It's free. Mm -hmm. Just check it out. And then, you know, that, that rests people at ease a bit. Absolutely. Well, I think that's cool, too. That's a great point that I hadn't even thought of yet. But you guys brand your own flower. I mean, that's a lot of transparency there. Um, I mean, I know a lot of cultivations here in the state of Colorado that will not even brand their flower. They just wholesale it and say, you know, put your own name on it or sell it like whatever you know so it's been a struggle you know there's some places that will openly say yes this is seed and smith flower um you know we are still new at this thing we're pretty much rookies in the industry you know we've had all six licenses here our both dispensary med and rec our mip licenses and our grow licenses firing for maybe a year and a half total now all six at once so um you know at the beginning we didn't really have a pedestal to stand on and say hey listen if we're going to sell you seed and smith flour we want to make sure that your customers know this is seed and smith flour however we're getting to a point now where it's much easier 
for us to do that because of our reputation, yeah. because of how we've grown, and because you know people understand that we're doing things ethically. Uh, it's it's a lot easier for us to say, listen, if you want to buy our flour, you're gonna have to let people know it's Seed and Smith flour. Yeah, um, and it's probably better for them anyways to say, hey, this is Seed and Smith flour. Yeah, it carries a bit of weight now. Yeah, that's good. What about you, Robbie? What kind of advice you got for uh, consumers walking into a dispensary? Low and slow. I like if, that. If, if you're if you're a new person to this, if you're testing out the waters, the one thing that will turn you off is doing too much, mm-hmm. is smoking too much, eating too much, dabbing too much, whatever whatever it is. Um, you know, I always use like when you started out drinking, you didn't go straight for Everclear, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you didn't drink a big bottle of it. Well, some um, people do. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true, and like. Um, you know, I mean, the experience is going to be terrible. Very good. Though, exactly. The experience is going to be terrible, and you're not going to want to do that again. Um, when, you, when you take the mentality of low and slow, you're starting, out, you're starting out at a point of, okay, I'm just going to see how this makes me feel. I'm going to see how this affects me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see all that comes with it. Now, if not much comes with it, keep on going. If, if, if you're at 7 milligrams and you're good, like stay with that. Mm-hmm. and just continually work with that um it, it's it's kind of amazing to see people and how they react to um different different products um where i've been trying all of these for many years you know it's it's amazing how many people that are new to this want to jump into the edibles right and it's like even as somebody who's been smoking for a long time and eating edibles for it a long time it is kind of a true point people always do go after the edibles for some reason well, it's well even it i'm nice. like i don't because know because a lot of people don't want to smoke they've yeah. never smoked in their lives they never smoke cigarettes they don't smoke cigars it's exactly. something they've never done so to start smoking at 40 years old just to consume cannabis could be a turnoff for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and they don't so. and they don't understand vaping right like yeah. so so i understand why people go there and that's why i say it, low and slow on that now when it comes to flour when it comes to concentrates um it's always follow your nose yeah. um I- anybody here who has who has smoked cannabis all of us have like you know what smells your body likes what smells your your brain likes mm-hmm. um and that's probably going to be the most enjoyable strain that you're going to smoke yeah. um I can't smoke the citrus strains. It gives me really bad. Same. It, it just you like smell it, and your eyes just like <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh god. Um, so you know when it when it comes to more seasoned people and they're looking for their flower, follow your nose, um, and just don't buy the hay stuff. Just don't buy it. <laughs> hey, some of that hay stuff's good if you shake it around a little bit. Crack it open. Crack it open. Get a cracking, and you can get those terpenes. Got to rehydrate it. Well, I think that's great advice for consumers and anybody who wants to learn more, I encourage you to come out to Seed and Smith. I know you guys are like 10 minutes from the airport, 20 minutes from downtown. So they're conveniently located. And if you're over in this area, come check them out. It's free. And I think you also get a little discount on your purchase when you do the full tour as well. So that's a little bit of an incentive. And yeah, check out the dart. I mean, I think you guys are doing a great job with your products. And I think they're very clean and reputable and trustworthy and people should check them out. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're listening and you're watching the show, you know, thank you for doing that, first of all, because it shows you actually care about either what you're doing or what other people are doing in the industry. So we appreciate your support and uh, be sure to share with others and and kind of bring others along with our uh, elevated educational journey here. Um, The theme of the show for this week or this this first show this season is kind of what's in your weed. And, um, you know, I want to thank Seed and Smith for one, for being transparent, being ethical and allowing us to come in and film and, and interview you guys about you know, what you guys are doing, and at the same time helping to educate consumers about, you know, what to look for when you're shopping for weed or cannabis or marijuana. 
whatever you call it, it's all the same. Um, but you still should be asking those questions of what's in my weed. And so don't be shy. You know, go into a dispensary, ask them, you know, ask them about how is this cultivated? Where did this come from? Um, is my gummy, does this have sugar? Is it vegan? Uh, the vape cartridges, is this distillate? Is it clean? Is it pesticide-free? Who produced this? Are these reintroduced terps? Are these unnatural terps? Are these fruit flavorings that are synthetic? I mean, there's a host of questions, and if you don't have enough questions to ask, then hit Lucy and I up because we can give you a whole list of questions to be asking when you go shop. But I think that's the only way that we're ever going to break the stigma, for one, and also change the culture that needs to happen so cannabis consumers and people who are using it for medicinal purposes can have clean cannabis and ethically produce cannabis by a company who cares about you. And I think that's important. So um, the vape scare is happening right now. Um, it is a very serious issue, but at the same time, I, I do hope you guys do a little bit of education yourself and, and go seek out the companies who are doing it the right way because there's a whole host of companies who have already put in a lot of the time and the effort to produce a quality vape product, um, and we hope that you guys go and, and seek those out. And at the same time, do your part. Educate your friends. Educate your family. Educate your neighbors. Educate your bosses if you have to. If you see something that's going <laughs> wrong, don't be afraid to speak up. We're still new in this industry, and that's what it's going to take is people speaking up saying, hey, that's not the right way to do it. I watched a show where I learned this, or I heard this from a doctor, or I've seen 10 people do this now, and this is probably the correct way, and it's going to be that that helps to develop those best practices and all of us kind of sticking together and, and doing this the right way. So thank you guys for allowing us to, uh, to bless this space and, and uh, extend our educational reach. It's our pleasure, absolutely. Thank you. All right, you guys, with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters.